Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James. Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're old, welcome. And if you're young, welcome. Lol, jokes. Hey, uh, today's a really fun episode. Uh, I got the privilege to sit down with Grant Hackett, who is the gold medal Olympian, an athlete uh, originally and moved into the corporate world, but he's now the CEO of Generation Life. Now, you've heard me talk about investment bonds uh, before on the podcast, and we want to just kind of go under the hood of what the investment bonds are, and Grant really does a great job of explaining these. I will say this episode probably is more of a intermediate level, but if you are a beginner, please jump in and you'll start to hear some investment terms and whatnot, uh, but certainly I'd love to get uh, Grant back if we do have any follow-up questions. But investment bonds are certainly another feather in your investment cap, if you will. Uh, so a lot of you ask about investments for kids. Uh, these are a great tool uh, for that. So let's have a listen to this podcast and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did sitting down and having a chat with Grant. Well, Grant, thank you for joining me on My Millennial Money today. And on behalf of all the listeners, they want to thank you as well for your time. So, thanks for having me. It's great to be on. Mate, we're talking about investment bonds and you're the CEO of Generation Life. And how long have you been CEO? I've been CEO of Generation Life for about 18 months. And prior to that, I was CEO of Generation Development Group, which is the um, ASX listed headstock. Um, so I spent that role. I was probably there for about two years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you've got plenty of experience in the trenches of the investment world and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've been around for, for quite some time. I mean, whilst I was swimming, I was studying finance and always interested in this area. I actually um, sat down with two lead executives at two um, you know large firms here in Australia and said, look, you know, I'd love to go into the finance industry. Um, what do I need to do, you know, in terms of study, in terms of preparation whilst I'm swimming, so I can you know transfer over to that relatively easy. And uh, I did that literally three weeks after the Beijing Olympics back in 2008 started working for Westpac BT and sort of cut my teeth there and grew throughout the ranks over time and then yeah ended up in in this position today yeah and investing and funds management was that more of a an interest you know through the pool and all that stuff or did it just happen no it was always an interest funny funny enough I, I've been trading shares since I was a teenager so I, I always enjoyed doing that um, I got myself burnt in the dot-com boom of course and uh, like everybody you sort of learn from your mistakes and yeah, so it was always a, a space I was interested in. Um, but really, not just in finance, but any sort of commercial transaction was something that um, always sort of pricked my ears. I was always interested in business, how things operated, um, the commercial aspects of business. And, you know, what, what are the, you know, success or sort of principles that you need to be aware of going into an industry like this? So I very much took a similar approach as I did to my sporting career in 
in terms of, you know, making sure I had clear goals, absolute clarity on what I was doing, where I was going. And the difference between um, business and sport, I guess, around the goal setting and the milestones is that it can be a little bit more gray than sport. Sport's very easy to goal set because it's either first or second. Um, it's very, very clear where you're positioned in the pack and then what's required in terms of performance and preparation where business, it takes a little bit more thought. Um, there's a little bit more variables that you have to contend with, you know, and the macro conditions are, you know, a, a big aspect of that. So, um, but having a clear definition of success and failure in business is really important as well. So that's a, a key principle that I've tried to drag across from my sporting career into my, my business career as well. But yeah, I love this space, love working with good people and love seeing people succeed. And I think that's why I was captain of the team, the Olympic team, and, and obviously, you know, a CEO in this business, because I, I genuinely love seeing people, you know, do well. And uh, so being in this position is an absolute privilege. And uh, yeah, certainly want to make the most of it. Yeah, love that. And I, I just want to say like, um, Gen Life, I have invited Grant onto the podcast. I've been trying to get Grant and Gen Life on for about two years to do this episode, but COVID happened and I like to do episodes <laughs> face to face. States. Yeah. So uh, I just want to say thanks to Gen Life and also that we're not getting paid to have Gen Life on the podcast. I personally use Gen Life uh, myself uh, and I can get into some details of how I use investment bonds. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about uh, investment bonds 101. And we'll, we'll go deep a little bit and we'll talk about the tax, the estate planning, the child investments. Yep. And then we might get Grant to answer some questions that uh, you guys are putting in the Facebook group about some mindset things about being a gold medal winning Olympian. So Sounds good. Let's have a chatteroo. I think the first thing when people hear investment bond, Grant, they think bond as in this boring defensive asset, like a corporate bond or a government bond. But can you explain what an investment bond is and where it came from? Yeah, so in investment bonds, um, the easiest way I like to explain it um, is that it's merely just an after-tax paying structure, legal structure. That's it. It's, it's very, very simple, exactly like superannuation. So if you think of the super environment, obviously, you know, money goes into that particular structure. It's, it's not an investment, it's an environment. The underlying products that you select are the investment or the asset allocation that you select. They're the investments. So when people say my, my super's not performing well, it's not your super that's not performing well, it's your underlying investments that aren't performing well. So there's that clear distinction. And it's exactly the same with the um, investment bond structure. So effectively, you've got this legal structure our maximum tax rate is, is 30%, but there's a lot more flexibility inside this structure than, than superannuation and, and you've got full liquidity of your funds at any point in time. So, you know, you go go into the, the tax structure, the maximum tax rate you'll pay is 30%. Usually our effective rates um, sit in the teens because of the way we manage the money and then you've got your um, income management such as your franking credits, etc., and then you choose what your asset allocation is. So you can go into Australian equities, global equities, fixed interest, cash, whatever it might be, or whatever your mix looks like. You can certainly do that. We've got 50 different investment options that sit on our investment menu. Um, and we've been, you know, sort of growing and innovating those options all the time. And also the product features. The one thing that people don't appreciate around an investment bond, it's the most tax effective solution outside of superannuation, but it's the most flexible structure full stop because that's all the things you can do around estate planning because you've got, you know, binding nominations. It's because of the, the flexibility in terms of no CGT um, upon transferring investment options inside the structure. Um, it's around, you know, 
you know, tax-free transfers if you want to change owners of that particular investment bond. And you're right to, to, to that point. As soon as you hear the word bond, you naturally have this connotation that it must be some sort of fixed interest product. And, and that's what people automatically think. And I, I've sat down with some very senior people in financial services that haven't understood what an investment bond is. So really what our job as a company is, is to go, well, there's a lot of limitations, a lot of changes within superannuation. People want to invest tax effectively. People want to um, invest for, for kids' future. Um, there's, there's a lot of conversations that we have around that. So we need to get out there and re-educate the market that's saying, hey, if you're capped out in super or you don't trust super as much anymore, or you want to make sure that you've got some money outside of superannuation just to do your transition to retirement tax effectively, this is the structure that you should be looking at for, for, for your investments. So it's been an exciting space to be in because we're one of the few areas that's growing in financial services um, at the moment. And uh, you know, over the past three and a half, four years where I've been involved in the business, it's it's been um, very challenging to get the knowledge out there, but at the same time, very, very rewarding once people get it and then they really start to use a product for those various strategies that I touched on. Yeah, I love it. And I think it's so important to note, like if your parents or grandparents hear like investment bond, they might have an old school product in their mind that the old AMP advisor flogged them and made 20 grand commission on back in 1992, where it had a life insurance benefit inside and we invest some money into a crap investment. And the only winner was the the sales agent. And these Correct. new investment bonds, uh, particularly the Gen Life ones, there's no insurance element. Uh, and I believe they came out of more of an insurance bond product. Yeah, so the way the, these product go, goes back a very, very long time and, and in its current form, it's actually been around for decades. Um, the real issues that you've identified um, with the product uh, were the key reasons that people stopped writing it along with the changes in 1992 to superannuation that just made that structure just way too attractive and people just started to pile all their money into to that particular legal structure. Um, the thing with investment bonds back then, they were very, very expensive. Um, so the tax arbitrage that could be created from a lower tax rate, particularly for a high marginal tax paying individual was, was eaten up by those fees. And also the fact that there was limited investment options. So a lot of the providers, because you need a life insurance license to be able to distribute this, this product, because it's governed by both the Life Act and the Tax Act, um, would put their own investment options on there. A lot of them would be cap protected. So people really couldn't get on there and construct a portfolio where that's completely changed. Our, our average administration fee sits at around 35 basis points. So it's very cost effective. Um, you've got all the different um, asset classes on there. You've got multiple options within each. So you can really construct your own portfolio. And we're evolving our product suite the, all the time to be able to give people more flexibility, more optionality. Um, we're even, you know, we've even launched a new income product that's called our um, tax effective equity income fund. Um, that distributes from day one um, at, a, at a tax rate that's sub 10% for a person who's on a marginal tax rate of 47%. And I won't get into detail how we do this on this particular um, chat, but we're doing some really, really exciting things that I think people um, will find very, very attractive. Sweet. So if we kind of start with the notion that an investment bond is a structure like superannuation and there are pros and cons to every structure. Correct. I believe the two big pros are the tax incentives yep. and the estate planning efficiencies. So we know that there's a maximum tax rate of 30%. Yep. So if you're a high, high income owner and you, you're almost paying 50 cents in the dollar of tax, well, it's possibly a no-brainer to build wealth in a structure that has less tax. Right? Correct. So talk to us about the 10-year rule 
And I will say, everyone, if you just Google Generation Life PDS, yep. it's in everyday language that will really help you understand this. Absolutely. Um, so, let's talk about the 10-year the rule and the contribution limits of, you know, the 125%. Yep. So, to, to your point, Glenn, just around um, the legal structure, it's like any other legal structure where you see whether it's, um, you know, a, a company, whether it's a trust, whether it's an individual, there's pros and cons, there's rules, there's parameters that come with that structure. Why we like to really um, show ourselves against superannuation is because super is the other after-tax paying structure. So, there's a lot of, you know, efficiencies gained in that because if you think we're doing all the tax returns, we're paying all the tax for the individual, we take a lot of the heavy lifting out. So from a, a risk compliance point of view, it's very easy and simple to, to administer. It can be a very much a set and forget product um, for the individual. They can just check how their investments are performing and you know change at any point in time. Um, so that's that's the first um, element to that. So um, to your point around what are they um, good for? Certainly as a tax arbitrage, they're, they're fantastic. So um, our effective tax rates generally across our um, investment menu used to sit at about you know, 22, 23%. Um, that's come down to around the mid-teens for a lot of our investments now. So the reason they were down the low 20s was because of all your franking and obviously all the, the, the taxation and, and the way that works. However, um, instead of just having the income management, we've got capital management now. So a lot of our um, equity portfolios have transitioned across from what's called a unitized structure over to a mandate structure. So we get to apply the tax rules that sit inside the investment bond across the, the whole fund. Um, so things like that, as an example that people wouldn't appreciate, is that we can offset a capital loss against income. Um, instead of carrying that forward and, you know, obviously a, a future gain um, that you'd be eventually able to off that, offset that with. So, And just to not to get too technical, um, when you talk about a mandate, is that uh, – so Gen Life is a – platform or a fund manager yeah well it's probably not a gen life it's a quasi fund manager yeah, yeah. Right. And, yeah. and it operates off a platform yeah, yeah. Uh, and you have different companies that you can provide investments for so it could be vanguard which i'm invested in yep. uh, it could be an mlc income fund it could be magellan global fund you know choose all your fund managers when you say mandate is that when you say to say vanguard hey we'll give you this money but you need to manage it in this way for us? Yeah, it's it's more when the, the business has the ability to demonstrate that it's now at scale. Yep. So, um, and depending on the, the type of fund manager and, and how they manage the money, what their level of sophistication, they can do a thing called a, a mandate. So, um, in layman's terms, um, the best way to explain that is that your money is managed individually. With that, with that particular fund manager. So instead of being in this big pooled structure where you're with, you know, thousands and thousands of other investors and you all receive the same unit price, um, you know, if things go wrong, you've got to absorb the mistakes in that unit price. We don't, we've got a separate pool of money where you look at Vanguard, you could, as a great example, because that is in a mandate structure and we have about $400 million that sits with that particular brand, that sits in its own pool. Um, so therefore you can apply your own tax rules um, because your pool sits outside of it and you can create some operational efficiency. But people go, well, is there execution risk or is there investment risk? No, everything else is the same. Yeah, so it just means so like um, Vanguard tapped all the super funds in Australia on the shoulder who are using them to say, we're kicking you off because uh, we're going to start our own super fund and there might have been a sell down or whatever. That sell down and tax event wouldn't affect the Gen Life pool. 
Correct. That's right. We're, our tax events are, are completely separate. So what people probably don't really appreciate when they're buying into a fund, there's a tax liability that's build, building up in there over time because obviously if it's been successful, you know, there's eventually going to be some sort of CGT liability. The fund manager, you know, their yearly distributions, once they go through 30 June, thinks, mm, we better take some air out of the tyres here. So we'll do a distribution back out to investors. And you can't control that. You can't control that event. So you're going to be paying that tax regardless and it's put upon you. With Gen Life, we factor all of this into the unit price. So there's absolute equity across every single unit holder or policy holder, we call them, that invests with us. So you're not disadvantaged when you're entering the fund or exiting the fund. Mm. You'll get the same unit price as everybody else. So it's one of the big advantages that we have managing through this mandate structure or inside the investment bond structure full stop. Do you make public in annual reports what the wash up tax rate is of each investment option? We do, we do. We don't necessarily do it in the annual report. Or whenever. Yeah, yeah we, we do have a fact sheet that actually demonstrates what the effective tax rates is for, for each of the funds. Mm. And, and we actually show up front what we provision um, within each of the funds. And, and we don't do that. That's done by Deloitte. They have yep. to, we have to do that independently as per the prudential standards. So yep. um, we show all that to, to investors. So some funds that have transitioned over to mandates have some very, very attractive tax rates that, that sit there now from a provisioning point of view, where their effective tax rate is actually much lower once you go through the distribution period of 30 June. So we know that worst case scenario, the tax rate won't be more than 30%. Correct. So knowing that if someone's earning, you know, between 45 and $120,000, they might end up in about 34.5% tax, yeah. give or take. Mm. So we know if we had money invested in our own name, any income might be taxed at that rate. Correct. However, if it was in the investment bond structure, the maximum tax it would have would be 30%. Correct. Now, the issue, and I'll say issue because it's a consideration mm. or consideration is probably a better word, you're effectively bringing forward the capital gains tax in a way that, so if it was, if you sold a portion of your investment outside, you might be paying 17.25% CGT. Yep. But it kind of happens on the fly Correct. within the fund. Yep. And then I'll get you to explain the 10-year rule. Yep. So Is that a bad segue? Or? Uh, no, no. We'll, we'll get into the 10-year yeah. rule, but we'll keep those two separate <laughs> yeah. just um, to, to make it clear. So effectively, you're not paying any CGT until you sell or the asset's sold as per normal. So none of that actual taxation of that particular um, revenue or increase in value is crystallized. So that's, that's first and foremost, because there's this misconception that you're paying the, the CGT every single year, which is not the case. Um, we provision for the CGT. So if you take it out after a short amount of time, that provision's normally a little bit higher. Sure. So um, the longer you hold the investment, the less that provision is because obviously you've held, you've seen what the effective rate is, you've got all your ad backs in there. So uh, the longer you hold the investment, which is the nature for any single investment, um, the better off you're going to be. So we factor all those provisions into the unit price and naturally every single year that provision will come down because what you don't want to be is the last person standing. Um, so if there was a reason that all of those um, you know, funds were redeemed, um, you know, 98%, the last 2% you know, of people sitting in there are going to hold the full tax liability. That doesn't happen with us. There's fair and equitable across every single investor, um, which is something that we're, we're really proud to, to have and, and gives us the ability because we are an after-tax paying structure. What actually happens with the mandate? So I spoke on before that we don't receive the CGT discount. 
because we work off a thing called revenue account. But however, when you work off revenue account, you get to offset um, a capital loss against income where instead of just bringing that forward and eventually when you do crystallize a capital gain, you can then use that loss, that capital loss eventually and then offset that and X amount of years down the track. So every single year, we can bring our effective tax rate down once we go through distribution periods or we're looking at the portfolio and, and you know, or there's naturally a tax event that's in there, we can minimize the impact of that because of that. So it's almost better as, you know, sort of one in the hands better than two in the bush, so mm. to speak. But I think you've got actually two in the hand um, with this particular event because you're able to bring down that effective tax rate so much more every single year uh, for your policyholders and you can do it every single year. You're not in this position where you've got to hold that loss and then, you know, obviously carry it forward until you actually make a gain eventually. So I think it's a, a huge advantage um, and it'd be something that you would most likely want more than you would want the the, the CGT discount. And um, yeah, it's something that we've just been able to start doing uh, because of transitioning a lot of these equity funds over to mandates. And like I said, what is a mandate? It's just managing your money separately from everyone else. And because it is separated from everybody else, because we're at scale now, we can actually do this. So we're getting that effective tax rate down quite a bit. Yeah. And I, it's so important, like, and if you are a beginner to money, I would recommend just hanging there because this episode's probably more set at intermediate or it, advanced. It, it, it is, yeah. But uh, you still might learn something. And we have calculators for all this stuff too to demonstrate the difference if you were to go into that fund directly as mm. an X amount, you know, taxpayer yeah. versus going through the investment bond structure. So we show a lot of that and we do it on the conservative side because naturally we don't want to set someone up for failure or demonstrate figures that aren't, you know, real. Um, so we're very conscious of being able to provide the tools um, to support people's knowledge. And and this is the thing, like anyone can rock up, get an investment account with an online broker and buy an ETF direct, which is fine. And there's a lot of you that listen, have your uh, Instagram money pages and all that. And I love seeing that. But tax and ownership is such a big consideration for the long term that you really need to get your ducks in order. Yep. It's it's From huge. Day one. It's huge. People don't get when, you know, two ten percent returns. They can look very very different. You know, what happens if one's generating eight percent of income, two percent of capital growth, or then you put it in reverse? What happens if that fund manager is, has a high amount of turnover? What happens if they're turning over inside the forty five day rules, so you can't use the franking credits? Like there are so many various considerations that you're not considering as an individual until you actually go to your account and do your tax returns, look at um, all the parameters that things will operate with it, the type of return that 10% look like, then you think, this is all I get back? Yeah. Um, we do all of that for the investor. We take all that heavy lifting out and we're, we're literally every day talking about how can we actually improve our after-tax returns, make a better customer experience overall, and also explain this better because tax is not an easy concept to, to digest. And mm. we're, we're always focused on being able to present this knowledge in the most easy, simplistic fashion, but still give it the full credibility it, de- it deserves. Totally. And I'm just as an example, the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund, over 18 years, it returned 8.42%. 5.3% of that was income. And three was three point one was capital growth, so it's just so important to understand where your returns are coming from. Correct, and and if you're a person who's on obviously you know high high income and you're on forty seven percent, you're going to be paying a high component of tax. 
um, because that's more swaying towards the tax, um, the, the income side versus the capital growth side where you naturally get the, the CGT discount. And depending on the turnover in the portfolio, will you get that 50% discount or not? Totally. <laughs> People don't get that either. So, because the fund manager could be chopping and changing strategies a lot of the time because the market conditions, as we've seen, you know, could be more volatile or, you know, there just could be a, a macro event. So, it's important to note in just kind of bookending this tax discussion, um, if you set up a Gen Life policy or any investment bond policy, um, because you know the the product is the same wherever you you know invest with, um, you do not need to put anything on your personal tax return because it's all internally taxed. That's right. We're, we're the tax paying entity for the individual. The only time you'll put something on your personal tax return is if you take it. Now, I'm going to, this is a great segue into the 10 year rule. We made it, yeah. Yeah, we did. We got there. <laughs> and there's one other thing I'm going to touch on uh, Touch on in terms of, you know, the marginal tax rates and that increasing scale that you, you know, said around before around yep. that sort of range. Is it, So, once you hit 10 years, so there's a, a few rules like superannuation as preservation age and, and other things. Investment bonds, once you hit 10 years onwards, any distributions you take from your investment, either full or partial, there's nothing to declare on a tax return. Um, Inside 10 years, if you do take a distribution, um, regardless of what the internal tax, and like I said, a lot of ours sit in the mid-teens, upon that that distribution coming out inside 10 years, you receive a full 30% tax offset and then you pay the difference between that offset and what your marginal tax rate is on the income that's been generated for, for that particular investment. So there's still a lot of tax benefits inside 10 years. You're just maximizing them from the 10-year point um, onwards. And the, the 10-year rule um, is in there because naturally you're getting these big tax benefits um, inside this particular structure. Also, the um, the other key thing to, to consider is also that you can put in a maximum of 125% of the year's previous contribution. So you can put in 2% if you want to, you can put in 125%, doesn't matter, but you can just put in up to 125%. The reason that that rule's in there is because if you put a dollar in on day one and then you got to 9.9 years and you put 10 million bucks in and then you're in this sort of tax paid environment from from that year onwards, mm. then um, you'd be taking the mickey out of it a little bit. So yeah. they're just conscious of, of having that those parameters in place. So loosely speaking, if somebody um, put in $1,000 in the first year, the next year they could put in $1,250. Correct. Uh, if someone put in $5,000 in the first year, uh, they can put, you know, $6,250 in the Spot next on. year. Yep. And then if you invested $10,000 in the first year, the next year you could add 12500 Correct. So there's no limitations in terms of what you can put in that first year. And that's not from the first day. That's in the, the first year in its entirety. We have a lot of our clients that actually have investment plans attached to their bonds. So if you put in 10000 and then you put in an, you know, another 10000 over the course of that, that first year, of course, that's 20000 So you're going to be able to put $25,000 um, in the second year. So, um, you know, we've had clients put in a million dollars in the first year, then, you know, 1.25 in the following year. So some clients put in large amounts of money. And um, one of the things that's really important to consider, because people hear that 10-year rule and go, oh, so you don't receive distributions. Well, you can receive distributions. Um, there's nothing stopping you. You've got full liquidity. So if you set one of these things up, um, tomorrow you can take it out. And as quick as we can redeem the funds, it'll be back in your bank account. Okay. And just on that, as a practical example, um, the it's a unitized fund. So there's no quote unquote dividends or distributions year on year. That's kind of factored into the unit price. That's right. So if somebody wanted to draw distributions, they would have to sell down units 
each you can, month or, you can or just, whenever they wanted to. Yeah, well, with us, we, we can have a, a withdrawal strategy. So if you wanted to withdraw quarterly, half yearly, yearly, whatever it might be, you, you can set that up if you want to. Um, we've just launched a, a new equity income fund, um, which out to the wholesale market, it's going to come out to the retail market soon. Effectively, what that does, um, it's with the, the team at Martin Curry, so so Leg Mason, which is now owned by Franklin Templeton. We've we've set up a, a, a tax-effective equity income fund that pays an average tax rate of sub ten percent um, mm. inside that fund, and that's quarterly distributions from day one. Right. So as soon as you make that investment, you'll be receiving the distributions, and that sits at just over. I think at this stage of the latest numbers, it's been performing very well at about six point eight percent per year. So there's some very attractive products, and we're starting to really work with the rules that we have in investment bonds to be able to provide, I guess, more features or more attractiveness inside that that 10 years. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, like as a practical um, thing, my personal investment bond, I'm invested in the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund and there's no cash account within the investment. It's straight the investment option. So, you know, we did an episode recently about platforms and wrap accounts and all that. You do not need a, a separate cash account. You just buy straight into the, the fund. That's correct. Yeah. And and if you want a dollar cost average yep. um, into the investment, you can do that through the cash fund. So yep. we've got a thing called progressive investment facility that you can set up and, and you know, drip feed into your investments as you wish and your yep. portfolio allocation. Which I think you... Um, or you can just do it direct from your own bank account, whatever Correct. you want to do. Right? You can do it any yeah. which way. Yeah. yeah, you've got full flexibility so around that. Let's move to estate planning. Um, before I go yeah, on that, yeah. can I have one more yeah. thing on tax that Absolutely. I wanted to touch on that we didn't get into before? But it was funny when you were talking about the different tiers on the marginal tax sure. rate. So, you know, obviously, once you're over, you know, that 180,000, you're on the, the highest marginal tax rate. Um, the interesting thing that people always do with that is once they're looking at the next tier, what we naturally do, because it is the effective rate that you're paying, is that you average across the whole amount, rather than once you get to the next tier, is every dollar that you're earning over that is actually paying that tax rate. So, you know, even though you might get to 180,000, you're paying 60 odd thousand dollars in tax, which is around just over 30%. You're actually, you know, for each dollar, once you're in that tier, you know, the 39% cents in the dollar tier before you get to the highest marginal tax rate, for every dollar that you're earning, it's paying 39 cents. It's not paying the average, it's paying yeah. 39 cents on that dollar. And that's one thing that um, we always have to discuss with potential investors or we sit down advisors and have that conversation that it's really important to recognize that if you're earning income from your investments, do you really want to add to that next tier? Do you really want to, because you're, you're not paying the average, you're actually just paying mm. what that tier is. And then obviously once you get to 47 cents in the dollar, including the Medicare levy, of course that mm. is, um, you're paying the highest marginal tax rate for every dollar on that. You're not paying your average, you're paying mm. that tier. So it's something that we're always conscious of saying, with an investment bond, there's no distributions. So you can it just stays in there, it's reinvested. Um, you can take a distribution if you want to. Like I said, you can choose to do that. You've got full liquidity over the funds. Um, however, you're not adding to that extra tier, that extra dollar at those those higher tax rates. So it's something to, to be really, really conscious of. If you don't need the cash flow and you want to invest and reinvest and you want to keep it at a lower overall tax rate, mm. then the investment bond is a, a great structure to be able to use that you've got full liquidity around. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And remember, like you can go to sort moneyout.com click get help and i can connect you to a financial advisor if you do want to really go deep and crunch the numbers and do all this and have an investment bond as part of your strategy estate planning we're going to cover after this break because we'll have a quick break <laughs> <laughs> look forward to it i love yeah. estate planning <laughs> 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Okay, so with this estate planning piece, I, if you want to mind, Grant, just for my listeners, I might share a couple of examples of how I've used these bonds in the past for real life clients. Yeah, sure. And I'll start with myself. So I've got an investment bond and I use that as my second super account, quote unquote. So I cap out my super of 25 grand a year yep. uh, in pre-tax dollars and then- I just invest a monthly amount into my investment bond. Yep. So Very I'm, common strategy, actually. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like a second super. And then after 10 years, if I needed the money, there's no big penalties or whatever. Or you want to work part-time and do a transition to retirement. Or, or whatever. I mean, I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably always work. But <laughs> it was more just as a, um, a second super. And Glenn James doesn't personally invest in his own name. Yeah. I've got a, my super, which is not in my own name, my investment bond, which... Yep. For estate planning purposes, it will go straight to my estate. Um, and I've got a family trust that I have a brokerage account with and, you know, and Hold all that the stuff. other assets in there. And all that, yep. yeah. So, I, I don't like to, quote unquote, have direct exposure. Yep. Okay. Well, you can get sued, right? The, the assets exactly. are sitting inside your own name. And exactly. The, and the reason most people, particularly if you're starting to accumulate wealth, um, will only ever have their principal place of residence in their name or usually if they're working, they might put it in their spouse's name um, and then every other asset they own will be inside some other legal structure that if they were to get into strife, they're protected. Yeah, so I'm protected from, say, bankruptcy with the wealth in my investment bond. Correct. Uh, your creditor protected. So if everything goes wrong, you make a big gamble, doesn't work out. Had a bloody big gamble having you on the show, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Story of your life. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that's kind of just what I've done. And as well, it's just like it's mitts off, it's out of sight, out of mind, and it's just accumulating in the background. Yep. Now, I had a client who um, had significant wealth. He sold an investment property. Yep. We capped out his super. And then, uh, and he was over age 60. So then what we did, we set up a superannuation pension that yep. he would live off for the next 15 or 20 years. And then I think we put $200,000 in a Gen Life investment bond. Yep. And I think the asset allocation was about a 50-50 growth defensive. Gotcha. Yep. So we did that as his second pension account. Yeah. We know that he would not access that money until he for at least 10 years. So after 10 years, he would, if he did deplete his super money, he can then access the bond. The bond, yeah. Now, that bond and the super money is accessible at any time. Yep. But just in terms of an estate planning thing, we did it for him because he had a blended family, he had a second wife, yep. um, he had a daughter that he needed to, you know, have some, you know, different arrangements for. Yep. And then also we set up an investment bond with $500,000 with a beneficiary to his daughter. Yep. And that could be a good segue to uh, the child bond. Yep. Um, or using this as an investment vehicle for kids. Yep. Uh, because a lot of you listening, either parents or you might have nieces or nephews, uh, I've set up, actually, it's funny, Grant, I, my niece, she just turned 11. And I was in Queensland the other day, they're on the Gold Coast, and I caught up with the kids and I said, oh, you know how you know, 
I haven't given you a good birthday present or Christmas presents. For quite some for time. For quite some time, <laughs> yeah, like 10 years. Like, yeah, I said, look, you're old enough now to know that every time it's your birthday or at Christmas, I've set up a separate bank account that I'm putting money in for you. Yeah. And as you get older, I'll start to show you more about that. But I just kept it simple, like yeah. bank account and money. But they don't know that there's $100 every month to each kid going into that account. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about using investment bonds to invest for kids. The reason that I've done it is because I don't want to allocate that on my tax return. I want it out of sight. I want it out of mind. And I've elected those kids to be the beneficiary if I was to die yep. and it would vest over to them. That's right. It's uh, it's wonderful for this. I mean, outside of the tax arbitrage, we have a lot of clients come to us purely for estate planning purposes and that's it. Um, like you said, if it's blended family situation, high conflict family, a lot of money within the family where it's just naturally going to create uh, conflict, particularly if there feels like there's an inequity with the family because you can have a situation where grandparents are great, get along with everybody. They've got three kids out of those three kids two of them have got kids, but one doesn't. Mm. So they naturally want to leave a little bit more to the side that's got more grandchildren versus the person that stays single or maybe just in a relationship um, and probably plan on not having children. But they don't see that as fair. They should be getting a third, a third, a third. So even if you want to bypass a, a generation... You can do that with an investment bond. Um, one of the big um, advantages you have with our particular investment bond is that you can set it up so you can have one or multiple vesting periods. So just say you, Glenn, unfortunately, you know, you get hit by a bus when you mm. walk out of here and one of your nieces or nephews you know, is only at age seven or eight and they're getting this bond that's grown quite materially over time. You think, well, I don't want them getting a large capital amount when they're that young. Um, so you can determine an age where they can receive that. So it could be age 21, could be 25, could be 30. And then with our particular bond, you can actually put um, restrictions in place for a period. So you could say, I only want them to access X amount of dollars or you know, 10% of the overall capital per year. Um, and then I'll keep those restrictions in place for 10 years. Then they can access the balance. So there's just so much flexibility in terms of estate planning. And the fact that you've got binding nominations, this doesn't form a part of your estate if you don't want it to. It can if you want it to, don't get me wrong. Mm. But you can leave it and carve it out to the side. Um, and a lot of times um, people like to do this quietly because um, they might be in a situation where they got to leave all the other assets to everybody else. But like you said, this half a million dollars to this individual's daughter, they might be carving that out for a specific need or reason. And they don't necessarily necessarily want everybody else knowing about it and they can just you know have that I guess investment and relationship directly with that person and that person wants that um, individual who was the original owner passes away and the trigger point is is death they bring in a copy of the death certificate then we just redeem the funds and pass it over to the individual at that point in time yeah and I will say the the cool thing is so for my niece and nephews I've elected on the bonds so people will say should I have one bond or one each I've elected to go, we'll go one each because yeah. the fees are the same. It's cleaner. It's easy. It is. It is. Yep. That's all good. I've elected that. So if, number one, if I was to die, that it each goes to Grace, Jeffrey and James. Yep. Got twins. Like you got twins. I've got twins. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so that in terms of estate planning, it's a guaranteed, if I die tomorrow, the money goes over to them. 
And, and, and you know if it's going to, to stay um, within the bond structure even when you pass away because they're too young. The great thing about that, if they were to receive money, you know, it goes into the bank account, it's then earning interest. Who cares about interest today? Yeah, Don't get right. me wrong. But yeah. back in the old days, it was pretty good. They would have to pay minor tax on that interest. So a lot of the time, they would often go into the parent's name um, and that would be managed. But there's some situations where the investment never makes it down to when the grandchildren actually yeah. turn a certain oh, we'll, age. We'll buy a lounge now and we'll pay them back. <laughs> Correct. But I think the flexible thing is, at the moment, the money is mine with the kids listed on there. And you now, can change it at any point in time exactly. if you want to. Yeah. And so, in my will, I've got listed the kids can have money, you know, other parts of my wealth after they're 30 years old if they're not in prison, addicted to drugs or so a rat bag, it, whatever yep. that is. Yeah. So, the good thing is like if one of the kids turned 18 and end up in prison, I can log into their bond, remove their name and yep. that's just still my money. Correct. So, you've got this agile estate planning that you can review year on year. That's right. And it's great for a financial advisor because it gives them the opportunity to take estate planning to the next level where often enough, they've had to refer it out to an accountant or a lawyer. So, they can sit there and say, well, what's your objectives? Well, we can achieve this really simply. And we don't charge any extra fees for anything like this. If you've got them, we've had some of the most complex estate planning issues and real worries for people that Mm. we've been able to set up multiple bonds, put certain restrictions, certain vesting periods in date, and they've just been so pleased with that outcome. And to your point, Glenn, at any point in time, if that situation changes, if something goes wrong with one of the children or someone becomes estranged, that money is still yours. So you can actually change the terms of that. Um, We've even got features where if something was to, to happen to you and you know, you've already passed on this, this this particular money or, you know, you you intend to well beyond the point of death. Say you've got an actual date um, that is well after when you actually died um, and it's going to four children. If you tick down the line um, and just say one of those four children actually passes away and they've all got children of their own, that, say, 25% interest that they might have had will go down to the next generation. So, it's got flow step down. Exactly. Yep. Or joint survivorship. So, yep. um, in the case where they don't have children, it might just go evenly across the other three children. So, instead of parting you know, 25% four ways, it'll be mm. 33% three ways. So, there's just so many features. Yeah. And it's just, it's so amazing because, you know, even if you were earning $50,000 a year and your tax rate was still so much less than, you know, the 17%, it's still a viable option because it's guaranteed separate off your tax return. I've drawn a line in the sand that this money is for the kids and these are the parameters. And I've even listed on my bond that it's the intent that this money is used for a first home deposit. Now, that's not a binding rule. The money will be theirs, but at least there's a note on the document that, you know, Uncle Glenn, he did want you to have this. His intention was, yeah. Um, And then for my own other bond, my beneficiary is my estate. So, again, that estate planning. So, if I was to die tomorrow, bond one falls as part of my estate and governed by the will. Yep. The three other bonds would flick over to the kids. That's right, and it's it's happy days. Exactly. So everyone's wins, and and in the case of estate planning, I mean, what people don't really appreciate if there is a fracture within the family and something does go wrong, and you know, whilst they're in, in probate, they mightn't see that money for a very very long time. So you know, if they're, I've heard of some disaster stories, some very large estates. I, I heard from one financial advisor, a twenty one million dollar estate. 
um, four and a half million dollars in legal fees because one person in the family wanted to fight the distribution of that that estate. So, and what people don't really appreciate is the fact that you don't have to put your hand in your pocket. You put it in everybody else's pocket who's going to get that money to, to fight that, to go into litigation and fight the other family members or you know potentially someone outside of the family who thinks not entitled to that money. So there's no real disincentive to you know not partake in that, in that sort of, I guess, um, you know, litigation or you know that, that sort of battle that might ensue in that situation. However, when it comes to an investment bond, if you want to challenge that, you have to do it and put your hands in your own pocket and not one of these have ever been overturned. Mm. So it's just having that that reassurance um, in terms of the way that it's it's set up that your money is going to go to the beneficiaries that you want it to go to in the way in which you want it to go to and also another thing that 10-year rule doesn't matter anymore it is tax-free on death so if you set one of these up you know two weeks ago and then all of a sudden you were to pass away there is no tax to, to declare whatsoever whatever the face value of that bond is on that day that you redeem it is the money you receive and it's the money you keep yeah and it's it's so funny because what I can do because the kids' bonds are invested in the Vanguard, Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund, I can go to vanguard.com, print out a fund profile of the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund, sit down with the kids and say, you own shares in this. Did you know you own 2% in Apple or whatever, yeah. or whatever that allocation is? And in terms of fees, you know, I it's actually bloody cheap. And, you know, I'm a retired financial advisor now, uh, but Grant, when I was you know, writing these bonds, Gen Life was the cheapest in terms of fees in the market um, and certainly the easiest to use as an advisor. Yep. And I know my, I won't put any names out there, but someone I know who may have worked for me may have helped their sister set up a bond for the kids account. So you can actually go direct to Gen Life. That's right. So, you know, if you know enough to be dangerous, be careful. But, you know, I think it's... um if you do have some significant wealth, maybe go to an advisor. I, I, I love financial advice, yeah. um, you know, and setting things up correctly can stop a lot of problems down the line. Um, like we said, these are relatively straightforward and simple to set up. And because of the flexibility, if you did put it in the wrong name and because there's tax-free transfers, unlike any other structure, you can transfer it and not have any tax consequences, yeah. which is not the case with a lot of your other investments. So you can get out of trouble a lot easier. Um, however, 90% or just over 90% of our inflows actually come from financial advisors and then the other 10% or, or, or so is um, from direct investors yeah. who get the structure. And I mean, it really, um, you know, the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund, so including the platform fee of 0.4? Yep, that'd yep. be right. That's that's 40 basis yep. points up to, I think, the first 50,000 that is because it's a tiered pricing yes. structure. So the more you put in, the bigger the discount. Yep, yep. Uh, so basically, if you rocked up with five grand, you'd be paying 0.69%. That'd be right, which with the, is the Vanguard MER in there. Yep. yep, yep, with the MER and the platform fee. So that's $34.50 50 a year. So shut up. <laughs> you know, go away. See ya. Like it's. You can see we don't make much money on the smaller bonds. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but this is this whole thing, right? You've got a separate tax structure, you've got a separate estate planning structure, you've got real world investments that, you know, you can, and there's an investment menu, you can do all that stuff. For under 0.7%, shut up. It's 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 very, very cost effective. Yeah. And that, that was the point I think I made in my, my opening remarks. Mm. These were super expensive ones. Now they're, they're very, very cost effective. And also, 
all those new product features that I spoke about that we build, we do that all for free. That is absorbed in this administration fee. So all the new investments comes out of our profitability. And, you know, that equity income fund, which distributes, you know, quarterly distributions now tax effectively. I mean, Mm. that is a remarkable new innovative product that no one else has. So those sorts of things, we don't charge any additional fees. You know, just around the estate planning, you know, you could say if we're administering an estate that's worth, you know, $2 million through a bond that's been administered over a 20-year period, we might charge for that. We don't. That's absorbed in the fees that you just discussed. And Mm. like I said, the more you put in, um, the smaller that overall fee actually gets. Yeah, totally. And just finishing up, initial deposit is $10,000. However, if you put $1,000 in and a monthly investment of $100, you can get in that way. Yeah, Yep, that's yep. right. So, and that's all I did. I mean, I think the kids one, I think I started with three grand each. Yeah, and then Min- just, minimums are $1,000 for, yeah, for your first I mean, investment. Choose your own adventure, everyone. Like, Correct. Um, but even if you wanted to do $100 a month, start with $1,000. Again, not financial advice, but whatever. It's a practical example. Just get comfortable. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a new sort of legal structure that you're investing through. Okay, um, look, there's no risk with the, the management fund either. There's mm. no counterparty risk with us. So we're, we're a life company. So yeah. we're governed by, you know, we're governed by ASIC, of course, we're governed by APRA. Yeah. So with, with APRA governance, if we were to mismanage our, our funds or the business, um, we would just get absorbed from another life company. The only risk that you have as an investor is the underlying investments in which you choose. Yeah. Um, and that's where your, your investment risk is. So it's very straightforward. It's very, very simple. Um, and, you know, once you kind of, you know, get into the investments. Like you said, you gave a great example around the Vanguard High Growth Fund. You look at that investment's producing everything that you thought it would. The after-tax returns look good. You just get confidence um, mm. over time. We, we see a lot of people start off with a small bond of even just ten or 20000 and then all of a sudden the next bond will be much, much larger than that because they've just got the confidence and the structure and it did everything that it said it would. Yeah, so if you put $5,000 in one bond and then you understood it and then – you know, you're putting some money and then in three years time, you had another $30,000 to invest, you'd have to start a separate bond. Correct. Because you can't dick around with the 125% Existing. rule. That's right. But I will say that 10-year rule and the 125 rule, it is per bond. So, if you were invested in the Vanguard growth fund and then you're like, oh, I want to change investments and change the investment option and do a switch, yep. that doesn't impact the 10-year rule. That's right. That doesn't impact bond level. Correct. It's done at a bond level, so there's no impact on the 10-year rule, and we do all that switching for free as well. Yeah, no worries. Uh, what's what's planned for the future at Gen Life? So, uh, plenty. There's always a heap going on at the moment here at Gen Life. So, we've, we're innovating, like I said, all the time. So, um, those mandates, which we call a tax aware series. So, um, we transitioned a total of 12 funds over. Uh, we're doing another three um, at the moment, which will launch a little bit later on in the year. So, there's plenty of that happening. So, that's increasing investor returns anywhere from kind of 40 basis points up to, you know, 240 basis points. Wow. So, it's quite quite a significant range and that's per annum, yeah. uh, might I add. And that's not me saying it to the fund manager. We got a, the Deloitte's actuarial team to, to provide us all that. So um, we wanted to go out to market with real numbers um, on funds that have been you know up and running for a long, long time so we could do it all on actual numbers, so mm. actual figures. Um, so that's that's been one real powerful innovation that we've had. The next one is the launch of this equity income fund. So a lot of people think of investment bonds and they think, oh, the 10-year rule, I'm not sure my investment horizon goes that long. And it's like, no, you can access your funds at any time. There's no penalties if yeah. you want to do that, first and foremost. However, given the thirst for years yield. Um, you know, in a contracting interest rate environment, people are going up on the risk curve to be able to increase their yield. 
And we thought, well, how can we increase the tax arbitrage inside our product to increase the overall after-tax yield? Because no matter what you're investing in, what you can absorb and put in your pocket is always going to be after-tax. So Mm. um, we're very much looking at innovative ways of doing that. And so, like I said, we've got a new, uh, the Generation Life Tax Tax Effective Equity Income Fund, which increases the yield. And if I give an example, if you're in a high-paying tax individual and and this particular fund was doing a 6% uh, gross yield, um, after tax with us, it sits at around 5.7% is mm. what you put in your pocket versus if you're a high paying tax individual, and this includes all your ad backs, all your franking, et cetera. So this is your your actual net position um, would be around 4.2 or 4.3%. Mm. So you can see the the increased return going from that 43 4.2% up to 57 or so. Mm. That's a material increase just because of the tax benefits. Um, well, it's paid for the fees. <laughs> yeah, correct. It's, it's paid for the fees and you've got some back left in your pocket. Yeah. Um, um, versus if you were to go into that product directly, which would still have a fees attached to it, yeah. um, you know, there's no additional investment risk for that. So we're certainly um, playing to that thematic around, you know, people searching for, for you know, increased yield, but we're looking at the tax alpha, um, we call it, and also trying to distill the myth around this 10-year rule and demonstrate the real key benefits of bonds inside mm. um, 10 years and being able to provide distributions and access to funds yeah. inside that particular, um, you know, time frame that are tax effective also. Yeah. And I mean, the um, the bond ownership, you can have a company own the bond, you can have a trust. You know, I just took the view that it's estate effective anyway. So I just owned it personally, yep. not through my trust. It really did, didn't matter. No. Um, Any legal entity can own a bond. If, yep. you're a, if you've got a spouse and you want a bond for the children, uh, you can do it in both names or just one person's name. That's right. Um, and you can even set up the estate planning where it can be in you know both people's names and then it goes over to full ownership of the, the last standing individual and then it distributes down to the, the children after that because no one knows who's going to die first. So yeah. like I said, you can think of most situations and we feel like we've pretty much covered them off. And if mm. we haven't, we get suggestions. We look at the, you know, we go to the product team, we sit down, we strategize and we think, how can we actually create this feature inside our bond? Mm. Um, so it, like I said, we're always looking at innovative ways. The last um, innovation that I'll, that I'll touch on yeah. just before we wrap up is that this is not to do with the the investment bond but the the life company generation life is at the end of this year we're looking to to launch the um generation life lifetime pension or an investment linked annuity obviously you know longevity risk is one of the the big things that people are concerned about am i going to outlive my savings have i got enough money to be able to survive through retirement um and the fact that they can't spend confidently when they start you know their retirement and go and travel and do all the things that they thought they would do when they retire where they sit there and think i'm might live too long for what I've actually saved over the course of my working life. Um, so longevity risk is one and obviously sequency risk too, which we saw last year when markets were coming down, you know, sort of six or 7% in a single day um, mm. when we saw that sharp market contraction. Did due you to guys COVID. have much uh, like liquidity issues and people wanting to cash out? It was really, really funny. We, we actually, um, you know, worked uh, with the, the Deloitte's team on our full financial profile through that particular period um, where if the all ordinaries went under 3,000, mm. um, if redemptions went up four times, um, if sales went down to, you know, 20% of what they were today, what would our financial profile? And we were still a viable business in that, mm. that situation. Um, however, that was the extreme worst case scenario 
our business actually went the other way. We increased in inflows and we went down in redemptions. Mm. Um, people actually liked our structure. And the one thing that we went and spoke about is the fact that we're creditor protected as well. Section 1162D of the Bankruptcy Act, if you want to have a look at it. Yeah. It's a great product to carve out of everything else or all your other assets to know that it's fully protected. So, um, you know, if creditors are going to come after you, they're going to be able to get all your other assets, but they can't touch this particular asset. And even distributions um, that you're receiving from this asset, they can't touch as well. Mm. Um, so it's, it's an incredible risk management tool as well. And I think that was probably part of the reason. And also the estate planning features that our inflows went up through that period because when a pandemic hits, we all start questioning our mortality. Mm. Wow, like how's this going to impact me, my parents, my grandparents? Like what's going to go on? Um, so I think that um, actually increased our business, which was wonderful to, to, to see. Do you think as well that a lot of your uh, funds under management are generally advised so you might get a high level of engagement with people with their advisor saying, no, don't sell it. You know, we invested this bastard yesterday for 15 <laughs> years. Why are we selling it today? Like, yeah, yeah. do you think that played a big part I of said it? That, you know, things like this will happen along the investment yeah, that's right. journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think um, if you've got a financial advisor, they can help you hold your nerve through those difficult periods because there's nothing worse than locking in a loss that you didn't need to. And a yeah, lot of people yeah. with, um, you know, inexperience and emotion driving it, you know, that, that whole prefrontal cortex in the mm. front of your brain there that does all your critical thinking and your logical thinking can get switched off for some yeah. reason and, and people go with the sheep. And Well, it's funny, like there's so many people out there like, I use Spaceship Super uh, and Spaceship because I get 30% a year. I'm like, hey, I want you to imagine that negative 12. Yeah. Because it will happen one day. That's right. The The more upside that you have in your investment, the more potential downside that you're going to have. So, yep. you, you're taking on risk to get that sort of reward. And, you know, conceptually when things are, you know, traveling at 30% per year, that's that's fantastic. But hopefully you're relatively young and you're not ne near retirement mm. and chasing that sort of return mm. uh, because for some reason that you have to. So, I think having a financial advisor there is always wise because they will guide you through this. Mm. They're almost a psychologist through, you know, sharp market contractions and also bull markets too totally. when you're getting too excited and, and things are sort of on the, the, the sort of tipping point of, mm. of, of collapsing. So you've got to be really, really conscious when, when you're investing is that you know what you can afford to lose, you know your investment horizon and you're working with professionals. And I think always having a financial advisor is like a coach there. They, they're going to help support those objectives and goals and keep you disciplined as well. No worries. So we might leave it there. We've run out of time to do the mindset Olympic dude chat, <laughs> but Grant's going to stay around and we're going to put the episode up on My Millennial Money Express, which is our short form podcast. So jump over, subscribe, and uh, we'll have a, a mindset chat for 15 minutes and answer your questions. Thanks for joining us, Grant Hackett from Generation Life. No worries. Thanks so much for having me on, Glenn. My pleasure. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. 
This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.